This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me once again. Our first story comes from Casey, crime photographer this week. We'll hear The Fix from February 26th, 1948. After that, it's the Mole Mystery Theater, an alibi for murder. Their story from March 22nd, 1946. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Casey, wasn't that hypnotist over at the Odd Fellas Hall really something? Yeah, he sure had some surprising stunts, didn't he? Yeah, like when he put those guys to sleep, then he wakes them up. And always the first words they say are exactly what the hypnotist has told us they say. Yeah, but I've seen that done often. You know, Casey, I'd like to have that hypnotist try it on Tony Marvin. No, no. No dice, Ethelbert. No matter what, as soon as Tony woke up, he'd say... Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey, crime photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Our adventure for tonight, The Fix. Early afternoon, the Blue Note Cafe. Ethelbert, the head bartender, is engaged in conversation with a rather weak-looking young man and a very good-looking young woman when the street door opens and... Oh, it's nice and warm in here, Casey. Oh, boy, does that heat feel good, Annie? Well, look who's here. Hi, Ethelbert. Hi. Hello, Ethelbert. Casey. Huh? But doggone. How are you, Archie? Fine. And you? Uh, I'll feel better when spring comes. <laughs> Don't you remember me, Casey? Mildred. Hello. Well, what do you know? Say, you look like a million in that mink coat. Thank you. I gather you know these folks, Casey. Huh? I've known Archie ever since he was a punk in grammar school, Ethelbert, and Miss Sells Our here. acquaintance goes back only a few years to the Warren affair. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, Miss Ann Williams, Miss Mildred Sells. <laughs> Hello, Miss Sells. How do you do? And Archie Purcell. A pleasure, Miss Williams. Oh, thank you. You know, Archie's father, Annie, is one of our favorite cops. Not Lieutenant Purcell. Mm -hmm. He's my old man. Well, we have a great admiration for your father. Yeah, he's quite a guy. They don't come any better. Well, uh, Miss Sells and I must be running along. We have a date. Yes, it was nice meeting you, Miss Williams. See you again, Casey. That goes double. Must get together sometime. Yeah, we'll try to, Archie. I uh, paid you, didn't I, Ethelbert? Yeah, we're all square. Well, I'll see all of you again. Yes, yeah, so long. Bye. Bye. Come again. We will, Ethelbert. Blondes. Wow! There goes one beautiful babe, Casey. Hmm, yeah. She's dynamite, too. I mean that literally. You know, she's a stooge for old Iron Hat. Tim Lansing? The political leader? Yes, sir, the boss. The big crook under the old-fashioned derby who protects professional gambling in this midtown section. How does that swell-looking gal stooge for him? Dames are used in all the big rackets, pal. Mm, like the boss of the Philistines hired that babe Delilah to soften up Samson, huh? You've been catching up on your reading. Well, that's the classical case, yeah. Casey, Lieutenant Purcell has caused Lansing more trouble than anyone else in this town. He heads the gambling squad, and if that Mildred Sells is making a play for his son... Yeah, I thought of that, Annie, the moment I recognized her. So you were talking to them when we came in, Ethelbert. How did he and Mildred act together? Well, they seem pretty sweet on one another, Casey. She may be legitimate this time. I just like Archie. Say, Casey, hmm? she said you met her at the time of the Warren affair. What did she mean? The murder of Mike Warren. Murder? Of Mike Warren? Yeah, he owned the clip joint where Mildred worked, and somebody put a bullet through his head one morning. She was questioned like all his employees. I remember the case. Oh, huh? so do I, vaguely. Warren's murder still unsolved, isn't it? Yeah. So what did you hear Archie Purcell and that girl talk about while they were here, Ethelbert, huh? Oh, he introduced me to the gal, 
Mentioned he just bought ringside seats for the big fight on Saturday night, right in the middle of the third row. The, the third row? Mm-hmm. He and a gal was going together, he said. And he bought them? Uh-huh. From a scalper. These scalpers are getting 200 bucks a piece for ducats like that, and Archie's job can't pay much more than that a month. Well, Casey, do you suppose Say, they... it's peculiar. Yeah, pal. It's very peculiar. <laughs> Answer that, Whitey. Okay, Brent. Hello. I'd like to speak to either Mr. Kelton or Mr. Watts. Kelton speaking. This is Archie Purcell. I don't know you, friend. You may have heard of my father, Police Lieutenant Frank Purcell. I've heard of him. We thought you might like to talk over a little matter with me. I'm downstairs in the lobby of your hotel right now. We'll be right down. What is it, Whitey? The shakedown we expected. But not from the source we expected. What do you mean? Down in Florida, they told us the guy who fixed things in this town was Lansing. The guy to be careful of was Purcell. Purcell's son just gave me the come hither. This don't sound right. We'll soon see how right it is. Put your coat on, Brent, and let's go. I imagine you gentlemen have convinced yourselves of my identity. You're Lieutenant Purcell's son, all right. What do you want? You two are professional gamblers from Florida. Don't you know this is a closed town? We're willing to play ball, but friends down in Florida told us we'd get a call from a gentleman named Lancy. My father is head of the gambling squad. I see. You mean there'll be no arrests if we play ball with you? Figure it out. You've identified this gentleman as Purcell's son, Whitey? Yeah. Okay. What do we kick in, Purcell? A thousand bucks a week. Hey, that's murder. We're not big timers. We run small games. A thousand bucks a week in advance. No. We're hooked, Whitey. Pay the man. Okay, Brent. But remember, kid, this buys us complete protection. Thanks for the tip, Casey And to you, Miss Williams I didn't know my son was running around with this Mildred saleswoman We're going to have a talk with Archie Now, we may be all wrong about her, Lieutenant Purcell I hope we are, Frank Excuse me Gambling squad, Lieutenant Purcell speaking I've got a red-hot tip for you, Lieutenant Who is this? Never mind that You can pick up two card shops they're registered at the Hotel Fultonian. There's Brent Watts and George Kelton. There's a poker party going on in their suite right now. That's all. Goodbye. I couldn't help but hear that one, Frank. The old anonymous tipster. A lot of our information comes in that way, Casey. Most of it's on the level. <laughs> well, I'm going to leave you and Miss Williams. Go to work. A little surprise visit to the Hotel Fultonian? Right away. Let's tag along, Casey. Why not, Annie? Let's go. <laughs> What is this? Hey, what's the idea you cops busting in here? All of you men are under arrest. You're making a big mistake, fella. Before you make a bigger one, I suggest you get in touch with your boss. Tell him you've busted in on Brent Watts and Whitey Kelton. Tell that to Lieutenant Frank Purcell. Yeah? I happen to be Lieutenant Purcell. What? You? Just why did you want to get that little message to me? It has been a slip-up, Brent. Yeah. I uh, guess you haven't talked to your son since he saw us. My son? Uh-huh. Uh, can I have a word with you alone? Anything you have to say can be said right here. Okay. If you want it that way, we fixed your son with a thousand bucks this afternoon for complete protection. <laughs> To them gamblers, Casey. Uh, Lieutenant Purcell got the full story about Archie from him, then took him to headquarters and put him in cells. Archie had traded on his father's reputation to extort dough, huh? Yeah. yeah what does he say about it? Archie, I mean. Oh, he hasn't been found yet. 
And Mildred denied that she knew anything about Archie's fix racket. Yeah, but the whole thing smells like old Iron Hat Lansing. One of his lawyers sprung the two guys this morning. What does Lansing get out of it, Casey? Well, he's thrown suspicion of bribery on Frank Purcell. Well, how? Purcell raided them gamblers and threw them into the cooler, which proves he wasn't protecting them like his son promised. Yeah, but a lot of people will think there was a slip-up, though, Ethelbert, that Archie neglected to tell his father. I wouldn't, on the strength of just this one instant. Mm, no, I wouldn't either, Casey. And their accusation can't be blown up into a news story. Nothing novel about racketeers accusing cops of dirty work. Last night's affair won't even get into print. Well, not as it stands now, but... Uh, there's the bar phone. Excuse me. Go ahead, answer it. Blue Note Cafe, oh, well. Ethelbert speaking. Uh, just a second. Your city desk, Casey. Huh? Your oh, city great. desk. Hello. Yeah, she's here too, Bert. Haskins Memorial Hospital. Archie Purcell. Archie Purcell. We'll get there on the jump. Goodbye. Casey, what's the matter? The story will get into print now, Annie. Big prints. Archie was taken to the hospital a few minutes ago after being found in an alley, beaten almost to death. Perhaps once in a decade, a new material is perfected which changes our standards of value. Now, such a material is jadeite. Spelled J-A-D-E-I-T-E, jadeite. It makes possible dinnerware unlike anything you've known. Jadeite is really beautiful. It has the lovely texture and color of rare Chinese porcelain. And jadeite is unbelievably strong. It stands up under rough handling without chipping or cracking and is so heatproof you can safely put it in a hot oven. Yet jadeite actually costs less than the most ordinary dinnerware. For instance... A big jadeite platter costs only 25 cents an open stock. And a 35-piece dinner service for six is priced at less than $5 at your favorite chain store, department store, hardware store, or other stores selling chinaware and glass. A set of jadeite is a perfect gift, and it makes it easy to replenish your own supply of dinnerware. Jadeite is the newest triumph of anchor hawking. The most famous name. In glass. Since the doctors wouldn't let us see Archie Purcell, Captain Logan, suppose you tell us what he had to say, if anything. Well, he confirmed the story Watson Kelton had already told. Shook him down for a thousand bucks. Yeah, Casey. He completely absolves his father of having any knowledge of his fix racket. And that won't help Frank Purcell much with the commissioner or the public. Now, what did Archie tell you about Mildred's cells? He denies that she put him up to his racket or that she knew what he was doing. What did she have to say? Denies everything we think is so. We can't even hold her. Well, who gave Archie his beating? He says he doesn't know. Says it happened so suddenly he had no chance to see what the two guys looked like. The two guys, huh? Watts and Kelton were freed on bail this morning they and... They had plenty of motive to go after Archie, Miss Williams. And when my men find him, they'll have to prove they didn't do the job. Uh, did you find anything at the scene of the beating? No, to... but the guys who worked on Archie didn't do it just for fun. They cleaned his pockets before they left him. Well, they took his dough, huh? Took everything. Come in. Detective Griffo just brought in those two gamblers, Watson Kelton, sir. That's fine. But they claim to have an alibi for the time of the beating. Yeah? They say they were with the lawyer who sprung him this morning at John Ferris. Now, here's his home phone number, sir. Yeah, I'll call him right now. Not that I take the unsupported word of one of Lansing's trained mouthpieces. Beginning to look as though an alibi has been carefully set up for him, Casey. Uh, hello. I want to speak to Mr. Ferris, please. Oh, Ferris, this is Captain Logan. Now, we've got two new clients of yours here at headquarters, Watts and Kelton. I'm sure you can tell me where they were between 8 and 9 this evening. Huh? You haven't seen them since noon today. No alibi? Uh, thanks. Uh, uh, that's all. Goodbye. You hear that, Casey? Yeah. Isn't the idea that those guys may be telling the truth and somebody's trying to frame them. Yeah. Ferris may have got him to his house tonight just so they couldn't establish a real alibi elsewhere. But why? I don't know, Miss Williams. Yet. Sergeant, bring in Watson Kelton. We'll hear what they have to say. Uh, 
Logan. They said they'd been framed. Yeah, for a solid hour, they said it, Casey. Mm -hmm. And it sounded on the level. Well, the setup's fairly plain, Logan. Iron Hat's a shrewd guy. The anonymous tip that made Frank Purcell raid that game was just the first part of his scheme. He knew the squawk they'd make about Archie would attract enough attention to discredit Lieutenant Purcell, so Iron Hat has a near murder performed on Archie that's sure to hit the front pages. And he makes sure it'll stay on the front pages by framing Watts and Kelton as the near murderers. Yeah, he's sure going to make it look bad for an honest guy like Lieutenant Purcell. Mm. What can you do about it? As things stand now, nothing. I'm not so sure of that, Logan. Archie's pockets were empty when he was found. Yeah. I have to know he had a pair of tickets for the big fight tomorrow night. It's a hundred to one that they were on him when he was frisked. I'm wondering if the guys who took him won't use it. Hey, if we could pick those guys up and make them talk. Archie can tell us the location of those seats. Yeah, not for a couple of days. The docks have them filled with drugs and the fight's tomorrow night. Oh, now, wait a minute. Ethelbert said they were in the third or fourth row center. There's over 20 sections in that arena, Miss Williams, and unless we know what... Wait a minute, wait. Mildred Sells knows. She was going to the fight with Archie. She won't tell. Well, she might tell me a lot of things, pal. She's worried about Archie, and she likes him. When I call on her, I have a hunch she may get confidential with a sympathetic friend. Just come from the hospital, Casey. Yes, Mildred. Well, how is Archie? I got some news, Mildred. It was not pleasant. Well, Archie... Archie isn't... No, no. He isn't dead. He's in pretty bad shape. Oh, no. Docs say he has a chance to pull through if he wants to. If he wants he to? He realizes what he's done to his old man. He hasn't got much interest in living. I know. How do you suppose Archie got himself into this mess, huh? Oh, I don't know. Said he wanted the dough to spend on you. The cops told me that. But what gave him the idea to get the dough that way? I don't know. Archie was going to take you to the fight tonight. Yeah. Get tickets for swell seats. Remember where they were? I couldn't forget. He was so proud of having gotten them. He told me over and over. Yeah. Where were they? Numbers eight and nine in the third row of section F. Why? I'm just curious. You know, Mildred, you're the only one who can save Archie's life. Casey, what do you mean? He's going to die unless it can be proven that he was just a fall guy in his fixed setup. And that he was pushed into it so his old man would be kicked out of the police department. He won't say that you had anything to do with it because he's in love with you. He's protecting you. But if you care anything about him... You'll tell me and you'll tell the cops that Iron Hat Lansing engineered this whole raw deal. If I do talk to you and the cops, Casey, I'll be arrested for murder. What? But I'm going to talk. Wait a minute, I don't I get I went that. to work for Tim Lansing after Mike Warren was killed. I had to because Lansing had evidence that would convict me of the killing. You shot... No, I didn't shoot Warren. I don't know who did. But I'd written a crazy letter threatening to kill him. He and I had been uh, friends. We'd gotten tired of. Well, Lansing found that letter and held it over me. Yeah, that sounds like Iron Hat. About Archie. Lansing told me to make a play for him, to get him to spend more money than he could afford to. Then to suggest that he could get easy money by shaking down gamblers in his father's name. I did it. And then I fell in love with him. But I didn't know he was going to be hurt like this. I didn't know. Come on down to headquarters, kid. We'll tell all this to Captain Logan. All right, I'll get my coat. Someone's at the door. I'll see who it is. Give him a quick brush up. Yes, I will. Hello, Mildred. Mr. Lansing. Huh? I happen to be near your apartment, so I thought I'd drop in. But, well, Casey. Hello, Lansing. What are you doing here? Oh, Casey and I are old friends. Oh, I didn't know that. How's the picture-taking business, son? Just about the same, Daddy, like that derby you wear. Yeah, hard hat's the only sensible hat, boy. And since you've got your hat in your hand, guess you're fixing to leave. Don't let me stop you. I was going with Casey, Mr. Lansing. He said he'd drop me off at a store. I, I have some shopping to do. Pretty late for shopping, Mildred. Anyway, I want to have a little talk with you. A private talk. Nice to see you, Casey. So long. Wait downstairs, Casey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
So long, Mildred. So long. See you later, Lancy. Goodbye. Con. Don't ring for the elevator, pal. What? We'll take the stairs, you and me. That gun in your hand makes me agree to that. Yeah, I figured it would. What's this all about? Me and a friend are taking you for a little ride. A nice drive out to the seashore. So how much longer are you guys going to keep me in this beach house here? Like I told you before, bud, we're waiting for orders. Whose orders? That's something we ain't saying. Yeah, I hope we get them orders pretty soon. I want to see that fight, bud. Fight? Yeah, me and my pal is ringside tickets to the big scrap tonight, bud. Yeah. Ringside tickets, huh? Right down in front. Well, seats like that are hard to get. <laughs> we didn't have no trouble. <laughs> it was easy. Hey, that's driving up. Give a look out the window. Butch. He'll be bringing our orders. He's also bringing the self, Dane. The self? I see. Open the door for Butch. I'm doing it. Here's more company for you guys. Get in, sister. Casey. Hello, Mildred. I didn't know they had you, too. Yeah, they got me, thanks to Iron Hat, I guess. Yes, he told me he had me watched. He came to my apartment because he'd gotten a report that you were there and he was afraid I'd talk. Had him grab me in case you had. Yeah. That's enough conversation for you two. Sit down, sister, and shut up. Hey, do we bump the two of them off, Butch? Yeah, but not yet. You guys will stand guard over until the boss comes out here after the fight tonight. He's going to the fight while we stay here? That's his orders. Look. Hey, we want to see that fight. This will do as you're told. I'm heading back to town now. I'm going to the scrap myself. So long. A fault a lousy great. Hey, uh, why don't you gentlemen go to the fight? We'd be glad to stay here till you come back. Wise guy, ain't you, bud? Hey, got an idea, Dad. Are you nuts? No, we can tie these babies up, can't we? We'll get back here before the boss shows up. Well, I'm beginning to believe you got brains. Sure, I got brains. Hey, what if the boss sees us at the fight? He won't, because his seats are on the other side of the ring. I saw his tickets. Yeah, come on, let's get to work. <laughs> and this was really your suggestion, fella. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Why haven't I learned to keep my big mouth shut? <laughs> I've slipped the keg off my mouth. Now listen, wait. I can see your hands... They weren't as careful with you as they were with me. I think you can get loose. And I go to work, kid. Go to work. I'm free, Casey. All right, get the wire off me. That won't take very long. I only have to untie it. It isn't tied in very tight. I feel plenty tight. Wait a minute. No. There. Got it off your hands. Relief. All right, I can get it off my feet. Casey. What? There's a car driving up. Well, do you suppose that is? Get to that window and see, will you? Right. Stop outside. Get that wire I'm, off your feet. I'm working on it right now. Casey, it's Lancey. Lancey? He's getting out of the car. He must have decided to skip the fight. Is anybody with him? No. No one's alone. He's coming toward the door. Get that wire off, Casey. This is a tight knot. Well, untie it, quick. I'm trying. Casey, quick. I'm quick. doing the best I can. Everyone is He may have a key if he comes in here before you get that off. You see, he has a key. Okay, kid, I'm finally free. There he is. And here he goes. I don't like to hit old guys like you, Iron Hat, but you didn't give me much choice. He carries a gun, Casey. Get it. I've got it. Come on, Lancey, get up. We're going to drive you and your car to police headquarters. Yeah, I, I had a feeling I should have come out here sooner than I planned, Casey. Seems I wasn't smart to come along. Nobody in your racket is smart, Lansing. Come on. We're going to the nearest precinct station. Yeah, as soon as I pick up my hat, hey, you, you knocked it off. Come on, pick up your derby. You look naked without it. Yeah, I'm attached to this old hat. Here's the ring. He had another gun in that hat. Uh, you take the next bullet. No, Lansing, you take it. I had your other gun, oh, you know. Casey, you got him. You're bleeding. He only got me through the shoulder. It's not bad. No, come on, sit down. Let me stop that blood. Well, let me see what I did to him first. Pick up that second gun he dropped. Uh, your name's just rotten as mine, Casey. I I got it in the shoulder, too. That's well. I don't like to kill even rats like you. 
But let's make sure you haven't got still another gallon. It's a neat trick, that rod of your derby. There's a frame inside that held it, Casey. I see it. Yeah, you won't find another rod in me, boy. Two have always been enough until now. Look here, you young people. I've got lots of dough. We can make a deal. Sure, we'll make a deal. A deal that'll put you out of circulation for attempted murder. Come on, let's get started. We'll join the crowd at the Blue Note in just a moment. You know, American children are the healthiest children in the world, largely because most American babies now get a good, sound start in life. Much of the credit for this is due to our American food packers who produce convenient, scientifically prepared baby foods. The young mother can now give her baby well-balanced, nourishing meals without spending endless extra hours in the kitchen. In selecting prepared baby foods for your baby, whether fruits, vegetables, soups, or meats, it's wise to insist on two things. One, a brand name with which you're familiar, and two, a glass jar. Sterile, crystal-clear anchor glass jars can't possibly affect purity or flavor. And because you heat and serve foods in the same glass jars in which you buy them, and then reseal the jars to store leftovers, mothers save precious hours each week. Most of the better brands of prepared baby foods are packed in clean, sanitary anchor glass jars and sealed under vacuum with easy-to-open, easy-to-reseal anchor caps. Both products of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass. Mildred Sells ain't gonna be accused of the Mike Warren murder, huh? No, I've not a chance, Ethelbert. A very good reason that the bullet found in Warren's body years ago was fired from the automatic that Lansing wore in his iron hat. A ballistics comparison proved that beyond any doubt. Lansing killed Warren? Mm Mm-hmm. After he found the letter that would incriminate Mildred if suspicion were pointed his way. Well, what do you know? At least one other thing. The DA won't bear down too heavy on the extortion charges against Archie. He and Mildred are going to be married. The DA and Mildred? Oh, Oh, no, of course not. Excuse me. Right, boy. You know, this has turned out so nice and romantical, it makes me feel good. Almost like throwing a party on the house. Almost? With that big bandage on your shoulder, you couldn't lift the glass, Casey. (laughs) Ain't it too bad? Al, I got news for you. I got one good arm. (laughs) And I've got two good ones to help both of us with. And I learned to keep my big mouth shut. Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is written by Alonzo Dean Cole. It is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor Caps and Closures, all products of Anchor Hawking, the most famous name... In glass. by John Dietz and is based on the fictional character of Flash Gun Casey, created by George Harmon Cox. Original music is by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Jan Minor as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Jettison is the Blue Note pianist. Once again, it is your privilege to aid in the increasing fight against suffering, disease, and disaster. Once again, your American Red Cross confidently appeals to American generosity to support its humane work. This year, then, Give a little more, because the need is greater. This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
And now, the Mole Mystery Theater, presented by M-O-L-L-E. Mole, the heavier brushless shaving cream for tender skin. Good evening. This is Jeffrey Barnes, welcoming you to the program that presents the best in mystery and detective fiction. Tonight's story is a hard-boiled gangster tale written by Martin Ryerson and entitled Alibi for Murder. It's about a very ordinary young man named Dave Whitman who was destined from birth to be involved in two gangland killings. Yes, destined from birth. Puzzling? Perhaps it'll all be quite clear when you meet gangster Steve Yeager. Before you begin your story, Mr. Barnes, here's some good advice for men. If you have a wiry, hard-to-cut beard or a tender skin, and that morning shave of yours is just short of murder, then shave with Mole, the heavier brushless shaving cream. Yes, sir, man, it's smooth. So smooth. It's slick. So slick. It's a smooth, smooth, slick, slick shave you get with M-O-L-L-E. Mole, the heavier brushless cream for tender skins. That's right. Mole is a heavier cream. The kind of cream you need if you have wiry whiskers or a tender skin. Because Mole is heavier, it not only softens your whiskers, it stands them up straighter and makes them easy to cut. So you shave faster, closer, easier, and you shave painlessly with Mole. The heavier brushless cream for tender skins. Mole. And now here is Jeffrey Barnes with tonight's Mole mystery, Alibi for Murder. Three men stand in the windowless, ill-lighted little room in the huge warehouse. They are staring in awe at the unconscious man sprawled out on the rickety cot before them. Finally, one of the men speaks. It's unbelievable, Steve. I read about things like this, but I never expected to see it actually happen. How bad's he hurt, Doc? One bullet grazed the back of his head. The slug buried in his shoulder might cause trouble. He should go to a hospital. Hospital, nothing. You do this job yourself at my place. But, Steve, it's dangerous. He could die. But he ain't gonna die. You're gonna make sure he don't. Okay, Steve, you're the big boss. You know, I never argue with you. Bob. Yes, Mr. Yeager? You're sure nobody knows about him except you? Well, it happened just like I told you, Mr. Yeager. I heard the shots while I was making my nice rounds of the warehouse. I ran outside, and there he was, laying in a heap on the sidewalk. And the car that the shots came from, beating it away in the darkness. At first, I thought this was you, Mr. Yeager. Oh, you did, huh? You didn't catch the plates in the car, did you? No, it was too dark, Mr. Yeager. Okay, Pop, thanks a lot for calling me. I won't forget it. Just keep it under your scalp. Oh, don't worry, Mr. Yeager. I won't say a word. I'm sure you won't. Better get back in your rounds now, Pop. I don't want to hold you up and make you late. Okay, Mr. Yeager. You're very considerate. Good night. Oh! Oh! Steve, you... You shot him in the back. What's that gag about dead men keeping their mouths shut, Doc? Okay, bust things up, make it look like a robbery. Then let's get this Joe over to my apartment. He's coming out of it, Steve. I want to see what he does when he lamps me for the first time. He's lifting his head off the pillow. Putting around. He sees you. I wonder that I looked as surprised when I first saw him. Can't figure it out, Steve. Guess he thinks he's looking in the mirror. It's okay, pal. You ain't seeing things. It's us. Two of us. Two of us? That's right. This is me and that's you. You and me. They made one of us first and forgot to throw away the mold. That's, that's unbelievable. We're almost identical twins. Same height, same weight, same faces, same coloring. What's your name, pal? Whitman, Dave Whitman. He found you in front of the warehouse down by the river. You had a nasty hunk of lead in your shoulder. 
Doc here had a rough time fishing it out. You're a doctor? Yeah, this here is Doc Kinsella. I'm Steve Yeager. You're going to see a lot of us. I don't understand what you mean, Mr. Yeager. Never mind. You, uh, got many friends in town with me? No, I just arrived here tonight on a freight. Riding the rails, huh? A hobo? No, no, just out of a job. That's what I had hoped to find here. I figured I'd find me a flop down by the river in that big building. My warehouse. Oh, it is? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, all of a sudden, a car comes racing around the corner and lets me have it. Only that little lead party wasn't meant for you. That was a surprise cooked up for years, truly. You, Mr. Yeager? Yeah. Friends of mine. They took you for me. Then they bust in and murdered a watchman. But I don't get it. Forget it. So you're looking for work, huh? Yeah, any kind of work. Well, what would you say to a job with me? In your warehouse? No, not exactly. Just lend you a lot bigger piece of change than working down there. I don't know what that slug did to my brain, but if this is how it feels to be crazy. Brother, I want to stay that way. <laughs> yeah, I think you and me are going to get along okay, Whitman. Now, see if you can grab some sleep. Come on, Doc. Lock the door. Why? He can't lock the door. Why, Steve? I don't want anybody to know I got me a spitting image. Sit down, Doc. Steve, what exactly do you want with Whitman? I want him so I can be in two places at once. There's a few things I've been wanting to attend to for a long time, Doc. Only I needed an alibi. I don't follow you, Steve. It should be simple for a guy with a brain big enough to earn him an M.D.? If I had a big brain, Steve, I'd never allowed myself to be handed my walking papers by the medical association. All right, skip it. Now, look. I don't like the kind of competition that's crawled into this town. You mean Goldie Mice? For one. Slapsy Higgins, number two. Uh, Whose gunman do you think it was the other night? Slapsy's. He goes in for that strong-arm stuff. Goldie's too wise for that stuff. I know, Steve. That Goldie's lining up with a lot of tin-horn politicians in town. Guys who can do you lots of harm. Which means that Goldie and Slapsy gotta be discouraged, but quick. And Whitman, even though he don't know it, is gonna help me do it. Well, kids, you're looking fine. No one had guessed that ten days ago you had a slug in you. Yeah, Doc. All right, Whitman, let me look at you. Keep that bow tie straight. And it keeps twisting. Well, don't let it twist. And don't drop the bottom button on your tux. Hmm? Yeah, pull that handkerchief out of your pocket a little further like that. Okay. All right. Let's go over to the mirror and see. Well, Doc, what do you say? Except by instinct, Steve, I'd say it was improbable. Even your own mothers could tell you apart. <laughs> I hardly know which of us is me. Neither one of us is you. We're both me. And don't forget it, even for a second. Yeah, okay, Steve. Now you're going to my nightclub with Doc. Your nightclub? That's right. The Silver Swan. I own it. Doc will point out everybody in the place to you. Tell you anything and everything you need to know about him. You get in a spot and you don't know what the answer is, just stick us a guy in your face and let Doc do the talking. You got it? Yeah, I got it. And there's only one rub. What's that, Steve? Lorraine. Oh, Lorraine. She's your girl, isn't she? How do you know about her? I read all about her on those clippings in your press book. Things at your nightclub. Uh, is she really as pretty as that photo on the piano? Never mind how pretty she is, or ain't. Steve, you, uh, you usually kiss her when she comes over to the table. If he doesn't kiss her, she might get suspicious and ask questions. Okay, Whitman, you'll have to kiss her. Oh, I will? But make it quick. And when you do kiss her, grab her like I do. Come here, I'll show you how. Uh, maybe you two would like to be alone. Shut up! Don't you dance with her or anything, Steve? No, kiss her quick, Whitman, and get rid of her. Tell her that you and Doc got important business. Say you'll see her after the last show. By that time, I'll be there and you'll be back here in the penthouse again. You understand? I understand, Steve. Doc, this is just about the greatest experience of my whole life. Yes, the club starts to ride pretty high at midnight Saturdays. This place must have cost Steve a small fortune. It did. You better close your mouth and stop gaping like you never saw it before. Don't forget you're supposed to be the person who owns it. Here comes the waiter. Order rye highball. But I like scotch and soda. Steve likes rye highballs. Oh. Evening, Mr. Yeager. 
you, Doc. Hello, Mike. What'll it be, Mr. Yeager? The usual? Yeah, Mike. Right high ball. Coming right up, boss. See that white-haired man with the party at the ringside table over there? Yeah? That's John Martin, city magistrate. Wave to him. Okay. You a friend of Steve's? Yeah, sort of. Steve must know important people. Yeah. Remember me, mister? Huh? Why, all the surprise. You look as if you never saw me before. Hello, Lorraine. Hi. Lorraine. Well, who'd you think I was? Why are you staring? Oh, I was just thinking... I don't know whether I ever told you before, but do you know that photo of you doesn't have to you justice? No, Steve, you never told me. Uh, <clears throat> uh, oh, yeah, do you mind if I kiss you? You don't usually ask, do you? No, I guess not. Oh! Well. Anything wrong? Hardly. Oh, you look stunned. Maybe it's because you never kissed me like that before. You seem to be... Something different. Uh, Steve, don't forget we've got a lot of important business to talk over. Oh, yeah, yeah, business. Uh, I'll see you after the last show, Lorraine. Doc and I have got some important angles to work out. Yeah, sure, Steve, I understand. See you later. Gosh. Now, look, kid. Don't let's get any silly ideas. She's all wrapped up. With a big, expensive tag on the reeds. Hands off. Property of Steve Yeager. Yeah, yeah, I know, Doc. Oh, oh there's the signal from Steve Whitman. Now, you slip into his office and out the back door. Steve will take your place and none the wiser. You sure nobody caught wise he wasn't me sitting at this table all the while, Doc? No one, Steve. Not even Lorraine. Uh-oh. Hang on to your bridge work, Doc. Here it comes. Where? Through the front door. McAfee and Fennec. Yeah, the headquarters twins. Well, well, if it ain't my two old sidekicks, Sergeant McAfee and Joe Fennick. Grab chairs and sit down, boys. What are you drinking? Sorry, Steve, but uh, this isn't that kind of a visit. Goldie Mize has just been bumped. Goldie Mize? Less than an hour ago, Steve. No kidding, man. Oh, that's tough. Goldie was an okay guy. What, uh, what's that got to do with me? Well, uh, Captain got an idea in his head. He wants you brought to headquarters for questioning. Mac, I've been here in the club with Doc ever since midnight. You sure, Steve? All the time? Sitting right here at this table we were. Well, of course, though, except for about three minutes when I went into the office to write out a check. And we have everybody here in the club to prove we were here. There's John Martin, Health Commissioner Woods. They'll vouch for you? Uh, sure, you want me to call him over? Skip it, I'll talk to them later. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Guess we made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you did. As the curtain falls on Act One of our story, it looks as though Steve Yeager has an ironclad alibi as far as the death of Goldie Mize is concerned. In just a moment, we'll see what the next move is. Before you continue, Mr. Barnes, I'd like to say something to our men listeners. Men, I've been asking you for quite a while now to use Mole Brushless Shaving Cream. Well, if you haven't used it yet, why not give your beard and skin a real break and try a Mole Shave? When you do, I'm sure you'll find that Mole lives up to everything I've said about it. I've pointed out that Mole is a heavier cream, and it is. The kind of cream you need if you've got a wiry, hard-to-cut beard or a tender skin. It not only softens your whiskers, it holds them up better and lets your razor breeze right through them. In other words, when you shave with Mole, you shave faster, closer, easier, and you shave painlessly. Now, maybe that sounds pretty strong. But if you will just try a Mole shave, I think you'll agree with me when I say it's smooth. So smooth. It's slick. So slick. It's a smooth, smooth, slick, slick shave you get with M-O-L-L-E. Mole. The heavier brushless shaving cream for tender skins. Mole. And now back to Jeffrey Barnes and Act Two of Alibi for Murder. By a strange coincidence, the down-and-out Dave Whitman is a perfect double for the notorious gangster Steve Yeager. 
While Dave poses as Jaeger in the latter's nightclub, the gangster commits a murder. Now Jaeger and his sidekick, Doc, are entering Jaeger's apartment. <laughs> Did you see that Mac of his puss when I told him I was sitting in the club all the time? <laughs> and how quickly he backed down we started rattling off the names of the witnesses who saw you in the club. Yeah. <laughs> Whitman, what do you call this? What? You got your old clothes on. Close your head on when we picked you up. You couldn't have been taking yourself a quick run out, Potter, Whitman. That's exactly what I'm taking, Mr. Yeager. I didn't expect you back quite so soon. There's a note in your room telling you I'm resigning the fine job you gave me. Resigning? Yeah. When I took this job, I didn't know it included murder. Murder? I heard all about it on the radio a few minutes ago. Charlie McCarthy's on the radio. You don't believe everything he says, do you? It won't work, Steve. You wanted me to take your place at the club tonight so I'd be your alibi while you killed a man named Goldie Mize. Well, it lets me out. I'm through as of right now. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, pal. You got this thing all wrong. Ah, Steve, you're the one who's got it wrong. I'm washed up. I'm gone. Stay away from that door, Whitman. Let go my arm, Steve. Sure, I'll let go right on your kisses. Okay, you ain't got two can play at that game. I wouldn't try it, Whitman. You might find a little tough opposition in this gun I'm holding. Yeah, take this handkerchief and wipe the blood off your mouth. I don't like the sight of blood. That's better. You're smart, Whitman. You'll also get any idea you might have about squawking to the police right out of your brain. That's right. Unless you want to sit in my lap in the electric chair. What do you mean? No one would believe you and Steve weren't in on this thing together. Nobody'd ever believe you didn't know what you were doing. Doc's right. Get smart. Yeah, smart. There's plenty in this for you. Now, what about it? I don't seem to have any choice. Now, we'll work the same game Monday night. Okay. And look, Whitman... Just in case you try anything, Doc's going to have a gun on you from the time you walk out this door until you get back again. Right, Doc? Check. Doesn't this club ever have a slow night, Doc? It's jam-packed again tonight. Yeah. What do you keep looking around over your shoulder for? Expecting somebody? I'll be seeing you, Doc. Hey, where are you going? To meet the somebody I was looking for. She just came through that little door we were talking about. Wait, come back here. Hi. Oh. Hello, Steve. Hey, you sound surprised. First time I ever saw you come to meet me. Anything wrong? Wrong? Yeah, you stepped back away from me as I went to kiss you. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. Oh... You look bewildered. I am. Why? Why, you kissed me just now. You kissed me like that Saturday night when I came to your table. Something about it seems so different. Oh, uh, Steve, we got business to talk over, remember? Oh, yeah, Doc. I tell you what. You sit down and get all the details worked out, and I'll come back and argue the whole thing out with you. But, uh, there's that argument in my pocket. Might not wait. Are you trying to tell me you'd use an argument like that on Steve Yeager in front of all these nice people? But... I said sit down, Doc. No, I mean sit down. Okay. Okay. I'll be waiting. Doc seems to be kind of unhappy about something. Doc's getting old, Lorraine. No more romance. (laughs) I never heard you mention the word romance before. Well, there's a lot of words you probably haven't heard me say that you're going to hear. Shall we dance? Love to. Lorraine? Yeah? I've been wondering lately. Are you really in love with a guy named Steve Yeager? That's a funny question. But now that you've asked it, I always liked your looks and type, Steve. But except for twice, I'm afraid I've never been really in love with a man inside. You said except for twice? That's right. Saturday and... Tonight? Uh-huh. I just can't explain it, Steve. I suppose it sounds kind of silly. But you almost don't seem like the same person. Now, how do we get back here in the gambling room? Maybe because I said I felt lucky. How lucky? Tonight, just about the luckiest person alive. You got a quarter, lady? Could be. Why? Let me have it. We'll pool our interests. I've got a dime. 
A very lucky dime. I thought you'd never get it. This is a special occasion. Let's have the quarter. All right. Here you are. Here, you drop this lucky dime into your purse. There. But I... Come on, let's try our quarter on these slot machines. All right. Ah, this looks like a lucky machine. Here. You drop in the quarter. Okay. Now, I'll yank the lever. Those little wheels are spinning just like my brain. All so mixed up. Four bars. Jackpot. Oh, those quarters. Oh, they must be easily $10. (laughs) Tell you what, you take these quarters to the cashier and get one blue chip. Steve, I'm so sorry to be long. Shut up. Where's Whitman? Been cooling my heels in this office for the past half hour. You know I can't leave here until he comes. He was at the big table, Steve. Let Lorraine walk away with five G's. Five grand? The dealer naturally thought he was you. Every time he smiled, the dealer touched the little button under the table and the bell stopped on the number Lorraine had her chips on. You stupid fool. This is all your fault. But Steve... Shut up. Get him over to the penthouse and keep him there. I'll be over later. Okay, Steve. Whitman, I'll break his neck when I get him that punk. Hey, boss. Yeah, Louie? The headquarters twins just came in. Says they want to buzz you about the murder of Slapsy Higgins. Okay. Tell Lorraine I want her in here. Lorraine ducked out a few minutes ago, boss. Where'd she go? I don't know, but she looked an awful hurry. I wonder. You wonder what, boss? Nothing. The car out back? Yeah, in the alley. Okay, Louie, I want you to drive me home. Fast. This is Jeffrey Barnes again. In just a few moments, we'll bring you Act Three of Alibi for Murder. When you have dandruff, you might just as well try to combat it with plain water as with most ordinary hair preparations. For such products, simply remove loose dandruff, and you can do that with plain water. To do more, to fight dandruff effectively, use double dandrine. For double dandrine is a scientific product that does what most ordinary hair preparations can't do. It goes to work on your scalp and actually kills on contact the germs that many outstanding authorities contend are a cause of a common type of dandruff. Now, the reason for double dandrine's amazing effectiveness is that it contains a special ingredient called Alzan, an active antiseptic so remarkably efficient, many hospitals use it. Among hair preparations, double dandrine and double dandrine alone contains Alzan. So stop trying to combat dandruff with preparations that can't compare with double dandrine. If you're not satisfied, return the empty bottle and get your money back. Buy double dandrine at your druggist's. Lorraine, you shouldn't have come here to the penthouse. Lorraine, suppose Steve Steve should... Yeager. Oh, darling, I'm glad. I'm so glad. Oh, Lorraine, darling. I tried so many times to tell you the truth tonight, but for once, Doc's right. You shouldn't have come here. Who are you? My name's Whitman, Dave Whitman. Don't say any more, Whitman. I warn you. Steve used me as his alibi for murder. I would have made a break for it, but I couldn't go without you. With that money we won tonight, Lorraine, I hoped we could go away somewhere and start over. You've got to go, Lorraine. Steve finds you. He'll kill both of you. You're reading my mind, huh, Doc? Steve. Steve, I, I didn't hear you come in. Louie just drove me over from the club. Well, it's like something out of the movie. The big hero with a protecting arm around the girl's waist. Kind of corny, Whitman. So this is why you took the quick run out from the club, huh, Lorraine? I was right. There are two of you. But not for long. Put me where those rags you first came in. Why? Don't ask questions. Where are they? In the bottom of the closet in the bedroom. All right, Doc. Keep that gun of yours aimed at his shirt stud. I got me a quick change to make. Hope I didn't keep you waiting too long. Well, Doc, what are you gaping at? Gosh, Steve, you, you look just like Quitman did that first night. The clothes, everything, even your must-up hair. Yeah, not a dump these things. Hey, that's your wallet and credentials you're putting on the table. Don't need them anymore. 
Now, Doc, I'll take your rod. Sure, sure, Steve. Here, but uh, I don't understand. It's simple, Doc. This is the end of the line. This is where you three get off. Three? And Steve Yeager goes on alone. But, Steve... You've outlived your usefulness, Doc. Besides, you and these two are the only people in the world who know I have a double. Steve, I wouldn't talk. You know that. I know you haven't talked so far. But, Steve, I'm not Popper Slaps Your Goldie. I'm your friend. I'm taking no chances, Doc. You, this two-timing dame, and the phony Steve Yeager get the lights blown out here and now. Steve, no, please. I had it figured out for a long time, Doc. You and a dame get it with my gun. Then while you're dying, you give it a Whitman here with your gun. Anyway, that's how it's going to look to the cops. You're going to make them think Dave is you? That he killed Doc? That's right. It's going to look swell in the tabloids. Doc can tell a fooling around with Steve Yeager's girl, and who walks in but Steve? We'll never get away with it, Yeager. Why won't I? The cops haven't even got a fingerprint of me. I'll just fade into the old zone and become a character named Dave Whitman. But why, Steve? Goldie's gone. Slaps is gone. You've no more competition in town. Steve. (laughs) Too bad. Doc wasn't a bad guy. You ain't kidding, Mac. What? Doc was the best. Louie. Eyes front and drop the gun. Don't be crazy, Louie. Take that rod out of my back. Drop it, I said. I don't know what you're doing, Louie. Shut up and turn around so I can look at you. All right, you satisfied it's me? Steve. And another Steve over there. Am I seeing double or something? Of course you're not seeing double. I'm Steve Yeager. This guy's just a hobo. I don't know. I'd say you look more like the hobo in them clothes. Louie, don't be stupid. I'm Steve, I tell you. Look at me. Yeah. Yeah, Louie, look at us. Good. I'm all mixed up. Now, it's simple, Louie. It's just a shakedown. He found out he looked like me, killed a couple of people, and then tried to blackmail me. Lying, Louie. I'm Steve Yeager. If he was Steve Yeager, would he shoot Doc Kinsella, his best friend? No. No, I guess he wouldn't. Louie, he's trying to confuse you. Look, they're my credentials on the table. Oh, Louie, they're my credentials. I just told you he was trying to shake me down. I want to be sure. I wouldn't want to pull his trigger on the wrong guy. You'll be pulling it on the wrong guy if you kill me. Wait a second, Louie. You know whose girl Lorraine is, don't you? Sure, everybody knows that. She's Steve Yeager's girl. Then ask her which one of us she loves. The trick, the dirty, rotten trick of... Ah, that wasn't very smart, him trying to rush my gun. Gosh, I didn't want to kill a guy. But well, you saw for yourself, Steve, he was grabbing for my gun. It was either him or me. We've got to get out of here quick before the police come. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we better get out of here. You go ahead, Louis. Two things I gotta clean up here. Yeah, okay, Paul. Quick, lock the door. Right. Good. Now then. The only thing we can do. I'm calling the police. Where are we going, Dave? Any place where people won't take me for Steve Yeager's ghost. Brother, what a job it was straightening out that mess with the police. Yes, especially after they picked up Louie and he insisted you were Steve. Mm. What are you thinking about, darling? Well, honey, two weeks ago, I rode into town in a freight car with a thin dime in my pocket. Now I'm riding out of town with the world in the palm of my hand. And now this is Jeffrey Barnes again, inviting you to be with us next week when we present... A great study in suspense entitled The Creeper by Joseph Rusko. The original music for the Mole Mystery Theater is composed and conducted by Alexander Semler. Alibi for Murder was written and adapted for radio by Martin Ryerson. Elspeth Eric, Mandel Kramer, and John Sylvester were featured in tonight's program. This is Dan Seymour saying goodnight until next Friday at this same time when the Mystery Theater presents The Creeper. Tonight's Mystery Theater presentation came to you from Radio City in New York. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. 
That's Case Closed for this week. You can find more from Casey, crime photographer, the Mole Mystery Theater, Case Closed, and everything else Relic Radio at the website, relicradio.com. You can donate through the website as well if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows. You're the only way we keep coming to you every week. Hope you've enjoyed this show. You'll join us again next Wednesday for another hour of Case Closed. <laughs>